0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Scottish Clans Podcast. I am Clint Edwards. Once again, I will be your host as we dive into things relating to the kindreds of Scotland, also known in many cases as clans. I thank you for joining me today. I'm excited for the topic today. Today, we're going to discuss a region of Scotland that we have hitherto touched on only so lightly. I'm talking about the very southwest portion of Scotland known as Galloway. Now, just a little background on Galloway. Galloway is, the word Galloway comes from Gal Gael, which refers to the people who are of mixed they were mixed their blood was mixed and their culture was mixed. A mix of what? A mix of the Scandinavians from the Vikings who had settled in the Irish Sea region and the Gales who were also the, the most of the population, especially in Ireland and in a lot of Scotland before the Vikings showed up. Vikings started appearing in the very late 700s. And so at that time, this part of Scotland, what's now Galloway, would have probably been a British-speaking area. Now, in the last episode about Gospatrick and the Dunbars and the Hooms, I went into some detail about the linguistics. So if you want to know more about what I mean by British-speaking, go back and check that episode out. So I'm not going to go into a ton of detail about it here. So... Then the Vikings become established in the Irish Sea region, and like they did in most of the other places, they settled. They mixed in with the local population, and they adopted. They 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 become very. They're well. In this case, it would be Gallicized. They adopt Gallic language. They're intermarrying with these people, and so now you get a con uh, a group of people, who are of mixed descent, Scandinavian, and either Gaelic speaking from the kingdom of Dalriada in the western Scotland, or from Ireland. It's not really clear where everybody was coming from, who was a Gal Gael, that settled in what would become Galloway, but we just know that they of mixed Scandinavian and Gaelic descent, and culture and customs. And so, it's important to understand that. So, as this, the time period, and we're, even though I mentioned like the late 700s, which is when the Scandinavian under, in the character of the Vikings, right? Not every single Scandinavian was a Viking. It wasn't just a bunch of guys coming in. These were Viking raiders from Scandinavia, but... The settlement, I don't know when the exact settlement and these gall gales began settling in what would later take their name as Galloway, but the time period that I'm going to start concerning myself with for this episode is the 1100s, maybe starting right at the turn of the 1000s, 1100s, because right around that time period, you get a man Born, who would become a very powerful person within what would become the realm of Scotland. You could argue that he lived autonomously later, but this man's name was Fergus of Galloway. And he establishes himself as the king of this region of Britain. And he is part of this Galgal, Scandinavian-Gallic mixed culture. Now this this is not an isolated thing here in the southwest of Scotland. This mixed Scandinavian Gallic Gael culture would it would span down the down the west coast from Galloway down into northwest England and it would have stretched up from Galloway along the west coast of Scotland. Now somebody that we have mentioned before in this podcast Who would have also been a part of the same exact cultural setting and lived in the same time period was Summerlid or Sorla in Gaelic. And just a refresher on who Sorla was we have several major kindreds of Scotland who would be born from him. The three main ones would be the Macdonalds, the MacDougalls, and the McRory's. Now the McRory's would would fade out. The they ran out of the mail line and their heiress to the McRory. You, you could the McRory's were very powerful. But the Anya, the the heiress, married a McDonnell in the, the Lord of the Isles family, and they had some kids. Then he thought he would like a different wife better, so he kicks her to the curb. She establishes Castle Terum and from her you get a couple of branches of the McDonald line the couple of branches of the McDonald clan and the principal one who would assume most of the previous McRory lands was the McDonald's of Clan Rannell and they would actually be they're like they're like the Mcrory's 2.0 they most of the McRory lands would become Clan-Ronald land. They would just change the name, but they were descended from the McRory's in the, in the female line. So McDonald's, McDougal's, coming from Summerled, which they're part of this Gall-Gale cultural thing. And in, in fact, in part of my reading, I found reference to Alex Wolfe, and he's a, he's a scholar that I've mentioned in previous episodes. He is under the impression or under the, the conviction that Fergus of Galloway and Sowerla, or Summerled were either brothers or cousins. So that's, that's kind of an interesting thing that I'd never put together up until this time. And why are we talking so much about Fergus of Galloway? I actually got reading a paper that I'd found I think Galloway's is a really interesting region because Gaelic was – so these Galgal settlers here, Gaelic was their language even though they were of mixed. And was probably – the Gaelic that they spoke was probably influenced by the Scandinavian language but – and by the Scandinavian language. I know you're thinking, well, there's three that come out of Scandinavia. you got Danish, Norwegian, and Swedish. But back in the time of the Vikings, it was Old Norse. And there wasn't the divergence between these languages that you have at this time, uh, today. So they're predominantly Gaelic-speaking, and they're settling in this region of Scotland. And so this Galloway becomes a Gaelic-speaking region clear up until the 1500s. And so the kindreds that are coming out of this, may they were part of a cultural continuity that the Highlanders and Hebridians of Scotland would have identified with. That's really interesting to me because Galloway doesn't get a lot of attention. It just seems like the Highlanders get all the attention, right? I mean, all you got to do, all you got to do, is look at popular culture. You got Outlander, you've got—I I don't know—we could we could talk about the Outlaw King. We could talk about Braveheart, even though the 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 activities that the movie and that time setting of Outlaw King and Braveheart talk about. A lot of the cool scenes are shot in the Highlands that really never even took place there. It's it's just all it seems like it's all about the Highlands. That's where all the dramatic stuff. We get the kilts, the the great pipes from the Highlands, the that's the, the Gallic language is not associated with Galloway because it died out there earlier. So it's associated with the Highlands and you usually don't think is so I just think Galloway is cool because it's kind of the underdog in history. It doesn't get a lot of attention. Okay, so, Fergus of Galloway, he dies in the early 1160s, and he's, he's a very powerful man, marries a daughter of King Henry II, I believe it was, or Henry the I. I have to go back and check my notes. Anyway, he marries the daughter of the English king, so he's a big deal. And this is where you see the English king begin to establish his – he's trying to reach out and establish more of a presence in this northern Irish Sea region. And so it's interesting that he would notice Fergus as somebody that he would want connections with and allow his daughter to be married to him. So that means Fergus was a big deal. Okay, so like I said, I was, I was seeing this as I, was, I found a paper – about Galloway, written by Alastair Livingston, called The Gallic Clans of Galloway. Now, this paper is kind of an interesting paper. It was written in response to Daphne Brooks's work, which claims that there was this, that the Northumbrian settlement in southwest Scotland, when that was actually a part of Northumbria, is the foundation settlement pattern that later later scottish history would in that area would build upon and it was the the anglians from northumbria were the or the angles i should say from northumbria were the the bedrock the foundation of society there so alistair livingston is, is arguing with her saying ah, I, I just think that your your premise is based on a false conclusion and that it doesn't it's not really that way he also livingston also refers to christopher tabraham his paper, Norman Settlement in Galloway, recent fieldwork in the Stewartry, which details a Norman settlement in Galloway. And so he references Brooks and Tabraham quite a bit, Livingston does. and But he's arguing that society, as it comes up through into the, the medieval times and, and into the early modern period, even, is really built upon Gallic society, Gallic speaking. Gallic speakers even though the language dies out that culture and the way they did things really forms the underlying foundation for a Galloway society not the Angles from Northumbria and and that the Normans really came in too and and adapted to an existing Gallic culture there and as I, and I continue with this episode you'll kind of see how some of these these kindreds from both a Gallic background and a Norman background are part of the picture and how the the Normans really do come into this this Gallic context here even even after the language dies out but you know the Normans show up in Scotland in large numbers in the 1100s which is right when Fergus is rocking and rolling and then after him and his sons they his sons invite Normans to settle in these lands it would also have to do with the, the Scottish monarch who gains superiority in this area, so it's not as autonomous as it once was. Anyway, so that's I got into reading Livingston's paper. And he some of the points, maybe I'll just point out a couple of the points that he makes here. He makes the argument so that Gallic wasn't just a cultural language of the peasants with dominant Norman overlordship and cultural superiority. He puts forward the opposition to Brooke to Brooke that the foundation of Galwegian land wasn't Northumbrian, it was Gallic, and that the Gaels of Galloway can included prominent and influential kindreds such as. Now, here's where we get into the clans of Scotland, specific kindreds. So, once again, the Gaels of Galloway included prominent and influential kindreds such as the McClellans, the McDowells, and the McCullochs these are the only ones that he mentioned specifically in his paper i'm going to i'm going to briefly discuss them but he he his his point is here that the that these gallic nobles were very important to the existing Powers in in this area, even powers who were not Gallic, they relied on these. And so, so who, who, what powerful people in this area would have been from more of a Norman background? Well, two off the top of my head would be the Balliols and the Bruces. Now, when we say that they weren't Gallic, were not gallic we and I'll go into them a little bit more later. We're we're really saying that they weren't Gallic in the male line, like the surname that they inherited is a Norman name, but I'll show you later how they were really very much a part of this Gallic world. But once again, we'll get there later. So we'll we'll talk about the Bruce's and the Balliol's after we talk about these kindreds that Livingston mentions. So he mentions the McClellans, the McDowell's and the McCulloch's. I'm going to go in opposite order of what I just said. You got the McCulloch's, just a brief note on these three kindreds. You can go online, you can find some information on them. I'll let you do that on your own. McCulloch, the McCulloch's claim descent from Culla O'Neill, who fought with Edward Bruce during his invasion of Ireland. And if you don't know this, when Robert the Bruce finally gains the upper hand and the Scottish crown in, I mean, he'd been crowned, but then he had to live in hiding. So we're talking about not only has he been crowned, but he's actually the acting king in Scotland. When he gets to that point, his brother Edward gathers a force and goes down into Ireland to kick the English out of it. And they appeal to the shared Gallic culture between Scotland and Ireland, which is interesting because we associate the Bruce's with a Norman line. But here we see just how into the Gallic rule they would have been. Do you think anybody would have bought this propaganda, the shared cultural heritage, if the guy showing up, that's the figurehead of this, of this movement to unite the Gallic cultural people and kick out the English from Ireland, if he didn't even speak Gallic. And, and we know that, that the Bruce's, it, I mean, I don't know, I haven't heard any, any scholar that doesn't think they did. And I've heard some that, that are a positive that they did. And if you look at the context that the Bruce's came up in, very likely that they were they were Gallic speakers, isn't that interesting? And that's and that's not weird. The Normans, when they went to Ireland, you know, you have the English monarch getting a little worried that they're going native and is outlawing them from doing certain things that are associated with Gallic culture. And so the Normans did it in in. Ireland. In fact, they did it in Ireland. They went native faster than they went native in England, which I think is really interesting. Because for a while, the Norman aristocracy in England, they were French speakers. But it seems like when they went to Scotland and Ireland, that they adopted the native language more quickly. But that that would probably merit a little bit more study on that one. That's just my understanding. So, so the, uh, so this guy, this Cula O'Neill, fights with Edward Bruce during his invasion of Ireland. Well, that didn't work out that well, but Cula O'Neill gets land in southwest Scotland, and so the McCullochs claim descent from him, and so rather than just continuing the surname of O'Neill, they adopted and take their, their name from this, this one of the O'Neills, the, which was Culla or Culloch. All right, so that's all I'm going to say about the McCullochs. The McDowells. Now, the, the, it's interesting with the McCullochs and the McDowells. When you and yes, I do read the Wikipedia article on it, but I also give you my frank. I, I'm not. I'm not relying on Wikipedia for my information for this podcast. But I do check it out, especially when, because if you if you like, I've, I've mentioned this tons of times. You go to those notes and references down at the bottom of a Wikipedia article. You can actually get yourself into some really solid scholarship there, and and I've and I've actually just done this for this pod for this episode. Found some really cool articles from Richard Oram, from Alex Wolf, and I could go I could go down the line of actual scholars that I f- I found some of their links to some of their PDF papers in PDF form through the notes on the Wikipedia article. So I, I haven't, I know it's not the scholarly thing to do, but I haven't kicked Wikipedia to the curb. But I do notice some things when I read these articles. I noticed that the McDowell's and the McCulloch's, their articles in Wikipedia don't mention a single thing that these people did as a group. They're mainly concerned, the articles are mainly concerned with what they did, like this, the, the leading family. They don't talk a lot about the kindred, which which is not the case for every group in Galloway. You know and, and that's what got me thinking early on in my study of this, were these were these people were they really clans or were they just aristocratic families a lot like their English counterparts? And if you want to know that, like you could go back to my episode Is Your Clan Really a Clan? and I get into more of what I found as I researched that more. But the you have the McDowells. I didn't like I said, I couldn't find a lot about what they did and their nature as a clan, just what they did. But something that's significant about the McDowells amongst these three kindreds that we're looking at here is that the McDowells claim descent from Fergus of Galloway. And and it's interesting that it didn't look like they had a solid line back of unbroken people back to Fergus. However, in the leading family of the McDowells, you do see certain names pop up over and over again that were names from Fergus and his posterity. Names like Fergus or Utrid. Utrid was one of the sons of Fergus. And my voice is getting cracky because it's way late at night right now, but this is the time I've got to do it. So you got to do it when you do it. A little drink to, to grease the windpipe there and let's keep going. So... They do claim descent from Fergus of Galloway, not a solid connection, but you do see popular names of this family pop up in the in the McDowell's family, the leading family of the clan. And then the last of these three kindreds that Livingston mentions as important Gallic kindreds who were important to whoever was in charge in this area. The last one's the McClellans. Now, I went to the McClellan's what was it it was their their website clanmaclellan.net was my source for this and as you read through there they actually they actually do mention a a broader kindred than just a leading family so this is interesting and i and i don't i didn't see the uh i i didn't see where the the website they i don't think they were citing sources so i mean you talk about everybody's so down on wikipedia But you go to the Klan website, the official Klan website, and often their sources are not cited at all, where a lot of Wikipedia articles are well cited. So, you know, you weigh them back and forth. People go and accept things off of the Klan website, but not Wikipedia, yet one's way better. Anyway, you get where I'm going with this. Sources matter to me, and I've actually had some of you respond in your comments, in your reviews, in your you're reaching out on Facebook. There's, there's some of you who, who care a ton about sources and I care a ton about sources and it's so, so please be patient with me if I want to take just a couple of seconds and talk about where I'm getting certain information. Some of you who are not into this on a scholarly level, you don't really care. And this might be kind of boring. So I, I apologize if if you're kind of drifting off here. Stay with me. I'll keep going. But on the McClellan website, they do, and I'm going to quote from this. They mention that in the beginning of the 15th century, there were quote no fewer than 14 knights of the name, you know, unquote McClellan. N- let me let me start that over. N- quote no fewer than 14 knights of the name at that period living in Galloway. So, unquote. So you you have. Just like you see in the Highlands and other prominent kindreds in Scotland, you you have the chiefly line that the others recognize as the head of the kindred, but then you have branches of the clan. So you have the chief, and he owns territory over here, and he says, hey, son, I'm going to give you, and you're going to be in charge of this town over here. And So now you got a whole branch of the clan descending from this. Anyway, they were, the McClellans were a kindred. They were all over this part of Galloway, and... 14 knights of that name. That's kind of a lot, so you can see them spreading out as a kindred. Okay. Let's talk about some of the kindreds or clans that are not mentioned in Livingston's paper, but I just kept on studying about Fergus of Galloway and his sons and and what what pro- other prominent kindreds of Galloway do we see actually tied into this original family of Fergus of Galloway. Well, and so I'm not going to go through next all of the prominent clans of Galloway. I'm going to go into ones that are tied specifically to and descent and claim descent from Fergus of Galloway. You have the Fergusons of Kilcaran. Now most of the stuff I'm I've, I've got from them comes from the Collins Scottish Clan and Family Encyclopedia. They were. The Fergusons claim descent from Fergus himself, although I'm not sure if that's the actual Fergus that they take the name Ferguson from. It's interesting, just a little note on this. We're talking about Gallic families and the Gallic culture and the foundation, the Gallic foundation of Galloway. Ferguson is it's an English version of a Gallic name. You know, you have Fergus son. Well, if you're speaking Gallic, you wouldn't say Ferguson. You'd say some kind of form of MacFergus. And sometimes it would sound like McKergish or I, I know I I know one of the guys in my unit, his name is Ferris. And that is actually an anglicization of the name Fergus, and it may have come from this. But anyway, anyway, so you wouldn't say Ferguson if you're a Gaelic speaker, but like I said, Gallic probably starts to die out here and 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 really runs out in the somewhere in the 1500s yeah maybe in in isolated pockets it lasted longer but really as a as a cultural big deal in galloway you're seeing the 1500s as the, as the end and so after that maybe it's they take what was previously a gallic name maybe they are trying to appeal to a broader cultural context and and play on a bigger stage and so they they drop the hardcore ethnicity and they go with Ferguson. I'm just I'm just kind of rambling here about Ferguson, the Gallic versus it's not a Gallic form of the name, anyway. The Fergusons of Kilcarran allied with this is, you know, some of the interesting things that were going on in there, the Kennedy Earls of Cassillis. Now the Kennedy Earls of Cassillis feuded against their kinsmen, the Kennedys of Bargany. Fergusons of Kilcarran took the side of the earls of Cassillis, in that fight. And one of the things I read in here was that there were Fergusons all over southern Carrick by 1600, all acknowledging Fergus of Kilcarren as their chief, which is one of the identifying features of a clan, is that there is some sort of figurehead, unless you're referring to broken clans, which don't really have a leader and they're just roaming about doing what they can to, to get by. So, you have all these, in, in the year 1600, you have all these Fergusons in southern Carrick who acknowledge Fergus, Ferguson of Kilcarran as their chief. All right, the Kennedys. But once again, most of the information comes from the Collins Scla- Scottish clan and family encyclopedia. Now, the Fergusons, maybe they descend in an unbroken line from Fergus of Galloway. The Kennedys, it's it's less clear clear back in the reign of William the Lion. Now, William the Lion ascends to the throne right after Fergus's death. And in this time of William the Lion's reign, William the Lion, King of Scotland, so he's he's, he's reigning in, in the mid-1100s, you have Gilbert, a person named Gilbert McKennedy, who witnessed a charter, and that's where we see his name pop up in this charter. So Gilbert McKennedy, who was probably alive during the last years of Fergus's life. And he claimed that he was connected to some of these other clans like the Bruces had a that they were that they were kindred. Okay? So and and this wouldn't be very far removed from the original family. So I don't know, maybe they were, maybe they were. But we can't really find anything farther back than Gilbert McKennedy. Now, a branch, something just like kind of an interesting side note about the Kennedys, a branch of the Kennedys ended up settling way farther north in Cameron Territory. Now, the Camerons were in an area way farther north. Their, their seat, if you go up the Great Glen, so if you're familiar at all with a map of Scotland, you go up the west coast, and right as about the time you get to the Isle of Mull, there's this huge inlet, and it comes up, it's almost like a fjord. You will pass the Isle of Lismore, and you come up the Great Glen, which if you look at a map of Scotland, it's pretty easy to tell where this is. Anyway, as you go up uh, you're just a little bit past Fort William, and now you're come to where the Camerons territory and, and their seat, the, the Camerons of Loch Hill, where their seat was. And you have a group of, of Kennedys settling this far north. Now the reason in the reading that I was doing for this was that the daughter of the second Lord Kennedy, whose name was Janet, she was the mistress of James the Fourth. And I could go into a little bit more detail on Janet, but I'm not going to and I'm not going to be judgmental about this because this is just different times and place and what I live in. But she has, a, she has a son by James IV, and he he is, whoa, where's my notes here, James Stewart. He becomes the first Earl of Murray. Now, when we talked about the first Earl of Murray, Murray was a more merdum. The more mayors of Murray and the Earls. you could go back to that, but he's the I guess you could say he's the f- first Stuart, Earl of Murray or yes, Earl of Murray. The thing that doesn't make sense to me, okay, so you got a, you got Janet's dis, Janet's son that ends up with power up there. But the Camerons don't their territory isn't in what we would call Murray. So I don't really understand why the Kennedys end up in Cameron territory versus where one of their kinsmen would have power and territory up there. So that's that's kind of a mystery. And if one of you all know the answer to that, and I don't know, please feel free to, to educate me on this. So anyway, there you have that branch of Kennedy's that gets established in the very far north. All right, that's the Kennedy's. Kennedy's claim descent from Fergus of Galloway. It's, once again, it's not really clear. We have Gilbert McKennedy, who pops up on the historical re- record right after the lifetime of... Fergus of Galloway, where they could have, they could have known each other. All right. Two other prominent kindreds of Southwest Scotland of, of Galloway, the Bruces and the Ballioles. Let's go with the Ballioles first, because we'll end on the more powerful of the two, the one that wins. The Ballioles had very strong backing from Galloway. One reason was because John Balliol, who was the competitor, he would have been the sixth Lord Balliol and the competitor against Robert the Bruce for the crown of Scotland. His mother was Devorgilla of Galloway. She was a big deal. Why? Because she was the heiress of the line from Fergus. Devorgilla, and I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right, was the daughter of Alan of Galloway. And just a little reading on him, he was recognized as a big deal, one of the greatest warriors of his time. And Alan of Galloway was the son of Lachlan, who sometimes went by a more Normanized name of Roland. Lachlan was the son of Utrid, who was the son of Fergus. So you have, and this was the senior line. So the Balliols were descended from the, the earls the or not they they weren't i don't know if they're earls but they his line goes right back up into fergus of galloway lord of galloway king of galloway whatever whatever the title he wanted he wanted to go by so the bailies were recognized as the heirs to this this lordship and that commanded a lot of loyalty from the local leading gallic clans that richard orum who livingston quotes at length to support his argument and Richard Orham is a – and I didn't look up where, where he's a professor at, but this is the – we're getting back into scholarship now instead of Collins' Clan Scottish Clan and Family Encyclopedia, which is not it, – it is. I shouldn't say it's not. I just have problems with the scholarship. It is scholarly. So Richard Oram, he's, he's contributing to here, and he's, he's talking about how important to the leaders of Galloway and Carrick the Gallic kindreds were. They relied on them, and they were loyal to the Balios because the Balios were descended from this line. Okay, got it. Now, the Bruce's... This is interesting, and I'm just, you know, you have, when you're studying history, there's some parts of history that you get really clearly. There's other parts of history that's really just kind of this mass of information just floating around in your head without really, it's kind of a cloud. There's no no coherent shape. And in studying for this episode, a lot of things started to crystallize for me, which is pretty cool. Like the connection between Fergus of Galloway, who I was aware of before this but hadn't really studied it out. I had no idea that there's a very good chance. He was very closely related to Summerlin. According, like I said, according to Alex Wolfe, a brother or a cousin, that's really close. And they were part of the same, I guess I didn't see the same cultural context just, just coming right all the way down the west coast of Scotland. But it makes a ton of sense if you understand anything about that time period. So the Bruces, where do the Bruces come into this? Robert the Bruce, the man who would become the king of Scotland. His mother was Marjorie. Marjorie is a really interesting person. She's the she's the daughter of Neil, the second Earl of Carrick, but the male line runs out with Neil. So you got Marjorie, and she was married before. I can't even remember the guy's name because he's not really way important to this. But the, her husband had been on crusade and had died on crusade and the man who came back who his was his what we'd called day in, in the US army who was his battle buddy is a man by the name of Robert Bruce and he comes back he's and he want, he, he tells this marjorie the this widow that hey i'm sorry your your husband died well apparently this Robert Bruce was Amongst the finest specimens of manhood, because Marjorie is so taken with him that she is able to overcome her grief and holds him with with the men that were or the forces that she had command of. and i'm I'm not getting into I'm not gonna even get into the cap- capacity of a woman to physically restrain a man. But she probably had help. She probably had people there who she she was the the leader. Her husband's dead, she's the gal, she's the most powerful person in Carrick, which is Carrick was to, to give you a little information. Carrick's on this southwest coast of Scotland, and it was part of Galloway, it was recognized as part of Galloway. And it was a different branch of Fergus's family ended up in control of, and I'll tell about that in a second, in control of Carrick. But she's the she is the leader, the ruler of Carrick. And she can she's like, Hey, you're not going anywhere until you agree to marry me. So, and I don't even know how enthusiastic Robert Bruce was about this whole thing. But it would allow it would allow him, you know, by by virtue of his marriage to her to be very powerful, maybe a step up in whatever he was before this, Lord of Annandale. But it the fact that she had to restrain him is that because he wasn't all about it at first. He he was he was he showed re- resistance reluctance i don't know i don't know why she had to restrain him and why would he feel that way was she not pretty did he have a, the better offers i don't know but she wins she wins and he marries her and now he now so and the, so this marriage you have robert bruce now marjorie's father neil neil was the son of donacha who was the son of Gilabriga who was the son of Fergus of Galloway. So we, this is just another branch of the family. So really, Robert Bruce and, and John Balliol were closely related. I mean, not way close. Like their kids could have married without any problems in the next generation. But they were kin. And I guess all these people who were competing for the throne of Scotland were kin in one way or another, but they're both descended specifically from Fergus of Galloway. So... There you have it. You have the Bruces on the female line who are Gales of the local native leading Gal gael bloodline. And you also have the Ballioles who are also in the female line descended from the Gal lords of Galloway. And and that's the cultural context. They grow up. So you have two families who have very Norman last names yet who were raised in a part of Scotland, you know, we're now by this point you know we're farther down the line we're not in the mid 1100s anymore we're in the late 1200s when the competition for the Scottish crown gets going but you're still well within the time period where gallic was the dominant language in galloway and that it was looked at as a continue, a part of a a continuum a cultural continuum that went right up the west coast of Scotland of these people who yes they had significant contributions to their family tree from scandinavia but whose dominant culture and language was Gaelic. And so so it's interesting to think that in this way, the the Bruces, the Balliol's, the McDowells, the McClellans, the McCullochs, the Fergusons. Well, maybe not the McCullochs and the McClellans, because they never claimed descent from Fergus. But the McDowells did. The McDowells, the Fergusons, Kennedys. Bruce's and Balliol's they're, they're kindred to the McDonald's and the McDougal's and those other Sowerla clans on the west farther up the west coast of Scotland and I just I guess I'd never connected all this in my head but they're all coming out of the same cultural context Real. I don't know are you interested in this? maybe I'm just getting super nerdy right now and nobody else is interested in this but I love making these connections in my head and seeing how it's all tying in together. It's like living in Gem Valley in Idaho and getting to know all of the families whose ancestors settled this valley. And every week I find out a new connection of whose cousins and related to who in here. And it's just like where I come from in Malad Valley, especially if you're descended from the old Welsh settlers, that any, I guess anywhere you go, if you're descended from the original settling families of, of that area, after time, unless they're inbreeding, they're marrying in with each other. So the fact that you're related to everybody, because everybody's like, oh yeah, you're inbred. Well, the fact that you're related to everybody is actually proof that you're not inbred. And that everybody's that the gene pool spreads out a little bit. Otherwise you wouldn't be related to anybody. It'd just be these islands of families that are not connected to each other. And and as I and I didn't live my whole life in a lad, so we lived out of town for quite a while, and then we moved back when I was in high school, and and I'm moving back into a valley that my ancestors settled, and now I'm learning that I have to be careful about who I ask out on dates, and I have to go check with grandma who knows the previous generations and knows who's all connected to who and I have to get the green light from grandma before I ask a girl out for the homecoming dance so it's kind of like that making all these connections except for much more powerful families we're seeing how they all connect with each other but I, in my head I had never connected the Bruce's and the Balliol's with the McDonald's and McDougal's back to the McDowell's and the Kennedy's and the Fergusons. I just not, I had not connected them all together. Maybe all the ones that live in the same region I was tracking, but anyway, that's kind of cool. So there you have it. There's a little history. And for those of you who connect in with this part of Scotland, I have never, I mean, I talked in the very early episodes about the main kin groups that were in the foundation of Scotland. And I probably mentioned the Gaul Gales, but this is the most detail and we've never touched on this part of scotland to this degree so i hope you're happy i really think that there is more to scottish history than the highlands and the borders or what was going on in edinburgh so there you have it there's galloway there's clear back to the earlier days of galloway and there's there's clans that you recognize their names today that come out of that cultural context if if i miss something let me know. If you want to ask a question that branched off of what we talked about, let me know. How do you let me know? You go on Facebook to facebook.com forward slash clans of Scotland and you go to the Scottish clan Facebook page and there you can message me, message me through, through that forum. And some of you have done it and I haven't mentioned any, any messages today. So I apologize. Those of you who have kept up this communication you can go on Apple Podcasts and you can leave me a review and then leave some comments. That would be awesome too. I would love that. Or you can go to Podbean. You can go to Podbean via the app or you can go on podbean.com. Is it podbean.com forward slash? Let me give you the exact URL for that. It would be podbean.com forward slash Scottish Clans. There you go. So if you're going to do it on a, on the, a regular computer... You can do Podbean pod there, or you can make comments through the app, Podbean app. So thank you for joining me today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you for letting me just nerd out. You know what I think we're overdue for, though? I think we're full overdue for one of these cool stories that are all over the place. And one that I've been touching on a little bit to give you a little bit of sneak preview into the future. Here is the I, – I got to reading about the story of Kinmont Willie Armstrong – being kept captured under complete dishonesty and breaking of things that were sacred on the borders and being imprisoned in carlisle and then having his buddy the chief of the scots come over and do this daring nighttime like special forces type raid and rescue uh, would special forces do that mostly today? maybe more like Delta, you know, we're getting into hostage rescue and anti-terrorism. So now we're in the, in the, in the realm of Delta or SEAL Team 6. They go by other names, but that's how most of you would recognize those groups. And that's the kind of level that we're dealing with in this story. So maybe I'll get into that next episode. And I think I've just kind of committed myself. So stay tuned, join with me in the next, oh, and share this podcast with people you think would like it. Don't forget to do that. Anyway, join me next time. Thanks for joining me today. Have a great whatever it is, morning, evening, midday that you're having right now. Goodbye.